everybody. Welcome to the EdTech Podcast brought to you by the experts at iStation. I'm your host, Hillary Kennedy with MarketScale. And today's episode, it is one that you do not want to miss because we are focusing on three steps to accelerate learning and reimagine intervention where you're going to learn to prioritize critical skills and concepts students are missing, deliver effective assessments to measure the influence of instruction, and put some scaffolds in place that bridge gaps. And I want to introduce two experts who will be walking us through these important and very timely steps. First, Julie Kalinowski. Julie is a strategy consultant with the customer success team at iStation. She's been in the education industry for over 15 years, eight of those at iStation. And Julie is a former ELL student and is multilingual, and she uses her experience and background to provide best practices to educators across the United States. And then our second guest is Faith Conti, and Faith is a strategy consultant with the customer success team at iStation. School districts and pre-K through 12 markets have been relying on Faith for over 15 years to help them empower teachers and students to own their learning, utilizing multiple impl implementation strategies and high quality educational software. So you can see why these two will be guiding our discussion today. So accomplished. Welcome to the show, Julie and Faith. Thank you, Hillary. Hi, Hillary. All right, so we're going to jump right in. Julie, I'll start with you. You know, as students return to the classroom, the learning gaps created by COVID-19 will be wide and varied. So instead of asking how classrooms can return to the status quo, how can educational leaders rethink critical practices that help propel student growth? You know, um, Hillary, that's a great question. I, I think everybody is wanting to ensure that we're meeting the needs of all students as we return back this year. Um, and as we look at the research and everything that's out there about opportunity gaps that existed pre-pandemic, um, we know that this pandemic will have just exacerbated those skills, specifically for uh, different sub, you know, subgroups of students. For example, students of color, um, students that have um, that are receiving special ed services, students that come from different language backgrounds, uh, low poverty students. So again, that subgroup of students, um, the ones that suffered the most before the pandemic will absolutely, will see that opportunity gap widen there. And so how do we, how do we close it quickly? Or how do we, what do we do? We can't, like you said, we can't go back to the status quo. We can't do what we've always done and expect different results. Um, and so really, if you look at the, the title of the, of the podcast, it's really accelerating learning and reimagining intervention. Um, and there's the Department of Education actually released kind of a framework um, or a blueprint for reopening schools this fall. And part of that uh, was how do we deal with lost instructional time or unfinished learning? And um, that's really where accelerated learning took the forefront. And, um, you know, Faith, if you want to expand upon where, how we've seen it, even throughout sure. different states and, and ways that we have, so. Yeah, I guess I think it's important to think about um, why is accelerated learning getting so much press these days? It's not a new concept, um, you know, so it helps to give some of that historical context as it relates to policy, right, in response to um, the pandemic and in response to COVID-19 and, you know, funding was put in place as probably most of us in education are aware today um, that of the ESSER, 
funds, which is the elementary and, and secondary um, school emergency relief. And within that funding source, there were three acts that were passed that we've been um, districts that have been um, navigating through understanding the criteria and requirements and that they have to meet starting as early as March of 2020. And the most, uh, the, the last one, the American Rescue Plan Act, which came through to us in March of, of 2021. So, you know, we're talking about 200, almost $200 billion um, that, that um, has been released out um, to the pre-K through 12th grade markets. And we started out with that first act where those priorities were very broad um, that they came in. They said, you know, it was, it was meant for preventing and preparing in response to COVID. Well, now as you start and you get down to the American Rescue Plan, speaking to that document that Julie was referencing or that framework, um, you know, the, um, the Secretary um, of Education, Dr. Cardona, released documents and this handbook to specifically say we need to really start um, tidying up or focusing our guidance for implementing strategies for accelerated learning and we have to use data effectively so it really is coming down from kind of getting really into the nitty-gritty these 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 acts are hundreds of pages long and they're so tedious to go through um you know so for me i've been spending a lot of time tearing through it and really understanding this funding source and why we're starting to see districts come to us and, and, and through different ways to ask us for support. Yeah. And, and to think about um, Hillary and Faith, to think about what is the, the difference between remediation and acceleration, right? Um, and like Faith said, it's not, it's not a new concept. It's just something that we haven't really shifted our focus to until now because we see that gap widened. Um, but I like to think of it like I have an, an analogy, a story. So um, it take back, back in the day, it took about five months to cross the U.S. by, um, by wagon, right? And then now it takes about a week to cross the same uh, the same distance by car, and it's not because we extended the amount of time we traveled each day. It's because we're more efficient. Cars are more efficient than um, than wagons, right? So, in order to accelerate learning, we really have to refocus our energy and attention um, on optimizing our our learning objectives and strategies. So. If you think about remediation, the, the primary purpose of remediation was to, is to uh, master concepts that were taught in the past. But acceleration is, on the other hand, really strategically um, preparing students for success in the present, this week, this content, rather than concentrating, you know, on a lit litany of items that students may have not gotten, we have to um, really intentionally rely on past concepts and skills. And it's not saying that we're not going to remediate. And it's not saying that we're not going to intervene with students. It really is more about intentionally knowing the content before it's taught. So if we know the standards, the key standards of a grade level, and this kind of changes the shifting the mindset too of the teacher of we need 
more preparation. We need more professional development. So understanding the, the content of a grade level and then knowing where those scaffolds need to be in order to teach prior knowledge or prior content in order to achieve the new content. So it's not going back grade, you know, grade levels. There's, you know, it's the whole idea of if a student receives below grade level instruction all day throughout the entire year for those students that are behind, where are they going to end up? They're going to end up behind. And so it's the idea of never being able to close the gap if we're going to constantly be going backwards to try and fill in gaps. Well, so really that's, that's the biggest difference. I think you know, you're bringing up some great points. And while we're, we're talking about this content, you know, providing students with access to grade level content, it can be a challenge for some teachers. Mm -hmm. What would you say are some actionable strategies that empower students to be successful on their grade level? I mean, you talked about, you know, really knowing what that content is ahead of time is, is super helpful. I, the first, first and foremost, we know we need to know where students are when they enter their journey into this next school year, right? So um, that would be through a universal screener um, that we can look at students compared to their normative peers. So that's gonna be really important just to get that first kind of bird's eye view um, of where they're struggling and what skills they're gonna need help with because that helps the teacher then plan ahead to say, if this struggling, you know, this student's struggling here, X, Y, Z, I can, when that content starts to come up, I can then do some pre-teaching of those things with these kids. So that's one way, so assessment. And then continuous progress monitoring to ensure that they're moving moving up. So I think that's that to me is the first bit of it. But I also think um, kind of focusing on this acceleration model, it's going to, again, require teachers to really carefully lay out the pieces of exactly what students need to know to learn the content at that desired pace. And that, that would be, um, they would need to have an understanding of the real world relevance and purpose of the content and the concept that they're learning, um, critical vocabulary. So they would have to know what words look like and sound like that would allow them to be successful in that content. Mm -hmm. um, again, the basic skills, they need to master that as well as the new skills, they need to master that. And then more, uh, you know, a big picture of where that instruction's going. Um, and so part of that's, you know, it's personalized learning. It's um, personalized learning in the sense of not like it used to be where, oh, hey, you're struggling in all of these skills. Um, you're going to go in and, and work kind of to remediate those skills. It's really going, saying, okay, let's make some intentional um, decisions around what can give you the biggest bang for your buck, essentially, for that new content that you're learning. I, I think to layer on top of that, too, there's, there's a mindset. Um, that it's a, it's, you know, it's different from a remediation thinking about acceleration, you know, the content standards, they have to be studied and prioritized and, and how is that happening? And we're starting to see, you know, some really great professional development. There are some teachers that haven't mastered that yet. They're new teachers, but we're seeing professional development and teacher prep programs coming out that are doing a much better job of readying, readying teachers to come into the classroom. We see states that are prioritizing the science of reading. So many teachers come in and weren't given a full, you know, um, uh, opportunity to really master how to teach the students how to read and know the difference between teaching them how to read and when they're reading to learn. And then, 
you know, so together, um, and, and they're thinking about, it doesn't mean necessarily going faster. So the districts and the states are supporting them in just so many different ways right now it, with professional development. Julie and I were talking the other day about, um, there were a couple state departments that are doing a phenomenal job with the real estate that they're dedicating to their state department websites. Um, they are getting full coverage I, and I want to give Massachusetts a shout out. I've actually been joining some of their webinars um, that they're hosting for their administrators. Uh, they are um, putting out full, they're taking what, you know, what the DOE is recommending and suggesting, and then they're thinking about their own state requirements, their state standards. Um, and they are just creating incredible supports. The, uh, the Department of Pennsylvania, the technical assistance, and really helping them understand not only do they have to um, continuously uh, monitor um, the students' understandings, but they have to have these relationships with the students, um, you know, directly. They're coming off of the COVID like we all are, you know, emotionally, mentally, behaviorally, and their families. Um, and so, and then how are they balancing that, like to Julie's point, with a strong grade appropriate instruction with these scaffolds on top? So the districts and the and the states are doing a phenomenal job of starting to, to put that, that professional development into play. And some of the best professional development that we're seeing that comes out of school districts too, are some of their own teachers, right? They've, they've mastered that concept. Now we just have to help them find that time and then be able to share amongst themselves with their peers and some of the work that our, even our own team are doing with, within the district. So, Well, I love hearing that so many states and districts are really supporting their educators in that way. And I, I would love to know what are some ways that districts are reaching out to companies like iStation for support? You know, where do they really need help? What are you seeing? Um, well, I would say I would say that something first that has that's occurring and happening when when the funding was released, it was curious because districts are finally saying, "Oh my God, we've been given some relief. We have we have money. We know we need to we know we need to prepare to come back into our buildings. We know we need to make everybody safe." Um, it was curious though, but there was this like delta in between um, the the state board of educators like. Where and then within the school districts, right? And the school district boards are like, where do we fit in? We're getting all this money from the state, you know, education agencies that's coming into our LEAs. And what's really interesting is we've seen guidance um, from one of the things that I, I found that was really important is that the the, the National State Board of Educators, they have a publication in response to the American um, Rescue Plan. And it included a series of questions. And one of the questions that we, Julie and I really relate to, actually our team relates to is, before we can even accelerate learning, the schools need to determine whether their students and teachers have high quality standards aligned materials. And are they also culturally and linguistically, you know, within um, appropriateness of the companies that we're working for? And timing is perfect. I just recently came out of a company meeting where you know, we are fortunate, we have cross-functional um, diversity, equity, and inclusion teams that represent, you know, uh, seven different departments within our company where we're making sure that we're going through those inclusive systems and checking off that. We're providing a feedback chain for that. We have to ensure that diverse representation in our products. And I'm just super proud of the way that we're doing that. That's been, we've seen that in the RFPs that are coming through. 
RFPs that we're, Julie and I are on a team along with our colleague, Matt, who couldn't be with us here today. We see RFPs coming through with language that is coming cut and pasted out of the legislation and it's coming right into this. And it, and it was a big shift because it, it, we weren't seeing that prior to, to the um, American Rescue Plan. And so it's really, that's really important to be thinking about being, having that alignment. Um, you know, we have to make sure that we're telling stories um, that diverse populations are being represented, that their ideas are being reflected and it's been integrated throughout the development process. So I, I would say that's definitely one of the ways that they're, they're reaching out to us um, for that. I agree, Faith. And going back to, I think if nothing else, this pandemic has really shown the world how educators can rise to challenges, right? So um, with all of these shifts in, in legislation and um, with, again, like Faith said, the, the relief funding that's been given, I think they want to make sure that they're using those funding sources um, in the biggest way that's going to impact students. And, you know, we, throughout the pandemic, not only did you see a shift to remote learning within days, um, how teachers were able to proctor, you know, assessments via video chats and so forth, um, keeping their students engaged. And I think that what the, what that's told us as, as a company and as educators is that if we equip our partners um, with the right tools and the strategies and the supports that they need, um, ultimately the students will rise to the occasion. And I think that goes back to what Faith said is shifting of a mindset of these kids that have been the ones that have been long disproportionately affected, um, again, students of color, of, you know, poverty, of, um, vulnerable, other vulnerable populations, that if we can say, we're going to do this so that you can rise up alongside your peers by accelerating your learning and not just going backwards and, and trying to catch you up, it's, it really is um, going to give them that sense of pride and put them in a place where they've never been before, really. So, yeah, it's, it's been... It's, it's really critical um, to make sure more than ever. And, and we know, I know it, I, I'm still referencing my fourth grade teacher. We all, you know, we all have that teacher. Mine is, you know, fourth grade. And, um, you know, those education systems that believe that we have to make sure that, that students can meet high expectations. It starts mm -hmm. with that. It doesn't start with, you know, it's so critical the way that we're able um, to help the districts find, get, get that data, that precise data and understanding of where the students are at, but helping them then understand that they have high expectations, that we, that, that they need to be receiving that grade level content and, and really supporting them in their full potential, right? We, sometimes we get so obsessed with learning loss and catching up kids that we kind of lose sight of that. And, and, you know, guilty. Sometimes I look, look at data, but we always have to kind of pull ourselves back and, um, you know, focus on, on that they're, they're in that third grade, that they, they have the ability to be mastering these standards. 
Yeah. I have to say that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway from this conversation is there, it, this has been a very hopeful, positive conversation. And I love that because it sounds like there is great support out there. I, I think having the right mindset, as you've mentioned several times, is so important. Um, and this is just, it's left me with a great feeling and an excitement about where things are headed for this next school year. So I, I appreciate both of you for taking time today to chat. Is there anything that you would like anyone watching or listening um, to know before we say goodbye? You know, I think just kind of to sum it up and um, the right data, right? We talked about assessment, the right data, um, efficient and purposeful, intentional instruction um, in a safe environment, right? In a safe environment built on equity and built on caring. It's It, it really does sound like a tall order, um, and it is, and it sounds like a lot of work and it is, but I know that the educators that faced all of these challenges and even us, um, as an ed tech company that supports those educators, we felt that we felt that, uh, we were empathetic. We, we understood their struggles. Most of us being former educators ourselves, I think it's work that, needs to be done and um, in the right hands, it will be done. So mm -hmm. thank you. know, I think it is positive for sure. Well, thank you for including me, Hillary. I really appreciate it. Yes. Julie Kalinowski, Faith Conti from iStation. Thank you both so much for joining us today on the show and giving us your insight. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Hillary. Well, and I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode of EdTech. If you like what you heard, you can check out more episodes of the show by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you like to get your podcasts. We will be back with another episode soon. But until then, I'm your host, Hillary Kennedy. Thank you so much for watching today.